0: And join us now as we explore God's holy word.
1: Amen. Glory to God. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to the cafe. Hope you're having a wonderful day, a wonderful week. Pastor Clark Covington here with you today to share some gospel truth, some great gospel truth. Amen. We are on part three of a four-part series called Places in Scripture Where the Gospel Shows Up. Places in Scripture Where the Gospel Shows Up. You know, oftentimes you hear preachers say the whole Bible is about Christ's love for you. Well, that is true. It is a love story. Amen. The whole Bible does point back to Christ. The whole Bible is God-breathed, God-inspired. Amen. And yet there are certain passages that really harp on this and really, um, for lack of a better word, expose the gospel, help uh, explain the gospel Uh, again, repetitiously doing this over and over again. And so here in this message, we're jumping in uh, at at a point of discussion where we're looking uh, at the blood, amen, in Hebrews 9.22, the idea without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So we get into that and the the whole idea behind why it's Christ's blood that saves us. And the idea of the substitutionary death. I'm so excited to share this with you today. So we'll hop in right now and get to it. Wow. So, but after the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward men appeared, the gospel, by the way, means good news, good tidings, good news. And what is that? Where is that root from? That root's from God's love. It's God's love, the kindness and mercy and grace that saved us. It's not our righteousness. It's nothing we've done. It's his mercy that saved us. And that's how we have this regeneration and renewing, right? Another R word, the redeeming of the Holy Ghost, which he shed, he shed blood for us. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. I'm coming up on that verse next, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so we're justified, we're made right, we're reconciled to God only by what Christ did for us on the cross. How can anybody say the death of Jesus Christ was not substitutionary, that he didn't come in our place? How can anyone say that this isn't clearly outlined in the Bible over and over and over again? Hebrews 9.22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without shedding of blood is no remission. So Hebrews 9.22 tells us that you need to shed blood for the remission of sin. And we can't shed our own blood because we're sinful. So there needs to be a sacrifice that is pure and holy and not sinful. Well, who's that sacrifice? Jesus Christ. That's why we're saved by the blood of Jesus. Without the blood, there's no saving. Now, the reason why I I mention this is many translations, as I understand it, remove the blood. Many modern day Christians get a little, uh, tight under the collar when you mention the blood and we want to think that no it's it's our works that save us or it's our it's a everyone can be saved if you just are born because you know you're sprinkled with water at birth or you're baptized even none of that saves you you're saved by the blood of Christ hebrews 9:28 so christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation, right? So the first time was Christ coming to earth, right? And again, if we understand the book of John and many other scriptures, Christ was with God before time itself, as we know it started, and that's the Holy Trinity, the Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ, and the the Father, the triune God, the three-in-one Godhead were together even before time. But Christ came to this earth, came into our time, right, when he was born of a Virgin Mary. Right. And actually, when the conception happened, okay. And God is the father, there is no earthly father. Christ is now on this earth. And there's examples of Christ working even in the womb. And I can get into that when Mary visits Elizabeth and the baby kicks. Uh, Elizabeth is her cousin and Mary's pregnant with Jesus. And Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist and John the Baptist kicks because the Holy Spirit knows what's going on. I love that passage scripture. I believe it's out of Luke. And so the moment that Mary is given Christ in in conception, she is now bearing the son of God and God is on this earth. And that is a specific time. That's where we get into, okay, BC before Christ and uh, all of this. That's a specific time and we understand that on earth he was here and he was crucified on the cross he was buried 3 days he was risen again and he was here 40 days a specific time and then he ascended up to the father and at that time he sends the holy spirit right or shortly thereafter okay he he ascends up to the father he sends the holy ghost and now the next time the second time Right? He'll appear in the clouds at the rapture. And that's when we are taken out, those that believe in Christ. Uh, we are called home. Uh, the dead in Christ shall ride, rise first. And that's when we're given that glorified body. All these good things that deal with the gospel in Hebrews 9. How about 1 Peter 2, 22 through 25? Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed, for ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls, capital S, capital B. I mean, that's really clear here <laughs> that Christ bore our sins on the cross f- so that we could then in inherit his righteousness when we believed on him. That's so clear. I mean, I don't know how it could get any clearer. We were sheep going astray, but we've been returned to the shepherd. I mean, Peter writes this so perfectly. Remember, Peter knew Jesus in his earthly ministry. He was one of his disciples. I think he would uh, have a good thing to say about this. First Peter 3.18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh. But quickened or made alive by the Spirit, First John four ten through eleven. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation or payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also uh, we ought also to love one another. And so we see here moving into First John the same idea that it was God's love that sent Jesus, and that He loved us so much that He sent His Son to. Pay for our sin debt on the cross. You see the themes, you see the repetition, you see how simple this is becoming. It's not it's it's complex in many ways to those that, that, that don't believe. But if you believe it's pretty simple that God loved us so much, he, he sent Jesus to save us and Jesus was obedient to death and was buried three days and was resurrected and he completed his course. He finished the work so that when we believe on him for our forgiveness of sins, that we're saved. Galatians 3, 13 through 14, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so we see here that Abraham, he was the beginning of the Jewish people, right? And we Gentiles are non-Jews that are saved by Christ because we are receiving that uh, promise of the spirit through faith. Amen. That's what Paul writes in Galatians. Remember, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, Ephesians two, four through five, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened or made us alive us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved. And again, un- understanding this principle of grace, it's not of good works. It's not of righteousness. Go knock on a random person's door and ask them if they are going to go to heaven. Do they think they're going to go to heaven? And more than likely, they'll tell you, well, I've done some good works. And you can then respond with Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. Look, it's God's mercy and love that were made alive with Christ. And it's by grace. It's not by works. So you have to believe on Christ. Amen. Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. This is Christ and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the of the cross, even the death of the cross. Think about that. Christ was so humble that he allowed people to kill him uh, physically. Of course, we know he didn't die. Okay. His spirit was alive, amen, but physically murder him. He allowed it. He was so humble. He could have blinked an eye and legions of angels could have come down and wiped everyone out, but he allowed it. He was obedient on the death of, on the cross because of our sin debt to forgive us our sins. Colossians one nineteen through 20, for it pleased the father that in him should all fullness dwell and having made peace through the blood of his cross. You know, the the blood. Amen. I mean, this is not something preachers are making up. It's it's here and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. What does reconcile mean to make right to bring back? By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, that's Colossians 1 19 through 20. How about Colossians 2 13 through 14? And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now, I wish I had time to get into this, but when a debt was paid, you would nail it, I believe, to your door, or if you were in prison and it was paid, you would nail it to the prison door as you're leaving. And you are signifying that that debt has been paid. Amen. And that's what Christ did for us. He paid our sin debt on the cross with his blood. And that shed blood is all it took. When we believe on him, now our sin debt has been paid past, present, and future. There's liberty where the spirit is. Amen. We we are no longer under the law. We are no longer under condemnation. You say, well, what does God say about living good after you're saved? I mean, why do you want to live good after you're saved? Well, two twofold. One, you don't want to nail the Lord to the cross afresh by living in sin. You want to recognize what he did for you. Secondly, you receive the Holy Spirit. You're going to be convicted to live for the Lord. And here's where we have to stop for today. And I can't wait to wrap this up tomorrow uh, in part four of our four-part series on where the gospel shows up in Scripture. If you would like to see the end of this or hear the end of this, go to facebook.com forward slash KJV Cafe, facebook.com forward slash KJV Cafe. I've got a video there that uh, walks you through visually this whole message, 44 minutes of wonderful Bible study. Amen. And uh, we get even into the Old Testament there a little bit. And so you can both watch that to finish this message. And also you can share it with others. And I urge you to share it with others because it is a great uh, evangelism tool in the sense that it is uh, not coming off as to... Um, holier than thou or preachy. It's just like this, amen. And so what it can do is allow people to study the scriptures. And that's what I believe what the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to do is point them to the word and that will uh, ignite a fire in their heart that can't be put out and they'll be saved, amen. And you'll have a a a, a reward for that, I believe. So go to facebook.com forward slash KJV Cafe, grab that video and share it with somebody. Uh, it's also uh, on YouTube. So the question is, what are you going to do? Are you going to be able to share this with somebody and help win them to the Lord? Please be fearless in these last days. I believe that's what the Lord wants us to do. I thank you very much for listening here today. Take care, God bless, and amen.